With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, everybody, welcome to the Barca Blog on Us podcast. I am joined by our old friend Jake Fenner from Bavarian Football Works. Jake, how are we doing today? I'm doing well, Josh. I'm doing uh, I'm doing really well. I'm ready to talk about this uh, this upcoming game that uh, my fans remember very fondly, and yeah. and yours uh, maybe not so much. Yeah. Uh, last time we talked was, of course, before the uh, the famous match, which we shall not name. Um, By and- the way, I want to jump in on something really quick. I went back and listened to that episode to see what we predicted. Right. So this is funny, right? You predicted a three-one to Bayern. I predicted a 3-2 to Bayern, but I joked that it might get so insane that we see a 7-4. And it turned out 8-2, so I guess I'm not really that far off. Yeah, I, I, I think we were both paying, uh, we we were giving the name more respect than it deserved in that mm-hmm. uh, in that preview, which obviously has uh, has worn off as we'll talk about. Um, yeah. I want to get into some some Byron stuff before we talk about the matchup. Uh, Mario Mandzukic retired this week. Kind of what did he mean for you as a Byron fan, and what did he mean for just kind of the the club overall? So I'll I'll start off with me, right? Like I became a Byron fan, I would say after Mandzukic was at his most important point for Byron. So I really don't have much of a context for him. When I remember him playing, I remember him being this tall, like really lanky presence in the box, right? Like able to score headers and able to score with his feet, 
a bit of a brash personality, which is pretty much how he played not only for uh, Bayern and Juve and wherever else he played at club level, but also with the Croatian national team. But I can't deny that he has a legendary status in, in Bayern's lore. And anytime a, a Bayern legend retires, it, it's something that we feel like deeply at an impact, right? Like even when Avika Olic retired, like people were, were, uh, were really sad about that. Right. So with Manzu retiring, uh, I'm, I'm kind of sad. I loved his post where he said to be sure to pay attention uh, around the, like he was doing a letter back to himself. And he said at the very end, PS, be sure to pay attention uh, when you're playing France in the world cup final uh, marking back to the goal that he got basically by uh, cheating Hugo Lloris off of a keeper throw. So I, I think he had a fantastic career. I think he had a lot of accolades to show for it and I wish him the best for the future. Yeah, he seems he was a player that I was surprised to see retire because like I know he's old, but he seems like a guy who could age into his he could age into his age really well, I guess, as a as an attacking player. Um, but I guess, you know, he just want to do other things. Um, I didn't write this one down in the rundown I sent to you because I kind of just want your kind of off the Sure, sure. Something that I can't prepare yeah. for. Um so our Robert Lewandowski, of course, kind of he wants a new challenge, apparently, right? Yes. Uh, that's probably not gonna be till after this year. Just like in your head, when you think of Robert's next challenge, what do you envision? Uh, let me let me go ahead and say first, just very quickly, what I think the club are going to do. Bayern Munich are never a club that uh, lets anything go by without a plan. And it's very rare that they do ahead of time, right? So when they fired Niko Kovac, they hired Hansi Flick. And I don't know whether that is something they fully intended or whether they listened to the players and said, you know what, this is really a guy we want to bring in as our next manager. It ended up working out very well for them seeing as we won the sextuple. And now he's coaching uh, Die Mannschaft. But Bayern are rarely the team that will go ahead and make brash off the cuff decisions. So I think the only way that Lewandowski leaves next summer is if they sign a replacement that they think will do well. And in my mind, at least in the Bundesliga, there are only two players that would do that. One is Andre Silva and he just moved to RB Leipzig. And the other is some tall Norwegian dude that plays for Borussia Dortmund that half the world wants for some reason. Uh, I don't know if they will get either of them. I think they will probably angle more towards getting Erling Haaland. Uh, whether or not they will actually get him is something yet to be seen. But I think that most Bayern fans will be very sad if or when Lewandowski leaves. But I don't, right? Like, I'm a Patriots fan based on birth, right? When Tom Brady left, I was sad that it happened, but I understood like the need for a new challenge for an athlete at the end of their career. Right. And Tom won seven Super Bowl titles in New England. So I'm not, or six Super Bowl titles in New England. And I'm not necessarily like angry or jealous about it. And I think a lot of Byron fans will feel the same way if Lewandowski decides to leave, right. He's getting towards the end of his career. He wants to, seek something better out now that there's no major records to chase, I guess, in the Bundesliga anymore. He wants to go chase records somewhere else. And I can't fault him for that. But name a club. If you had to. Ooh, um, Philadelphia union. <laughs> I'm kidding. 
Um, it's weird, right? Because I, so, so I, I went through about. it. I, I don't know what the club is. Like, I don't see him at Real Madrid, right? I'll throw I, I, a wild one out. Inter Milan. I think once they sell Lotaro Martinez at some point next summer, they'll have the profits to be able to switch him over. And I think that that might be a perfect landing place for him, right? Serie A, right? There are not a lot of Bayern rivals there, so Bayern would be more likely to sell to a team from Serie A, uh, right? You don't have, like, your cities or your your Chelsea's or anything like that. And I know a lot of them are linked with him. And I think that makes sense, right? Like Chelsea were linked with him over the summer. So were Real, but here's, here's my honest point to that. If Real are really serious about going and getting Kylian Mbappe, they're going to go and get Kylian Mbappe. There's nobody that's going to stop them in that regard. Chelsea don't need another striker. They just got Romelu Lukaku. Uh, Manchester United didn't need a striker at all this summer, and they still went out and signed one anyway. So his options are really limited. And I don't think that a majority of the big, big name clubs will really be in for him. I saw a rumor that said Real Madrid are in on him if they can't go and get Holland, but to think that they won't get Holland and then we'll also just decide to give up on Mbappe doesn't sound like something that's really accurate in my mind. Yeah, I mean Mbappe's going there whether it's on a free next summer or whether it's for two hundred million this hell, January. Hell or high water, uh, Lord willing, and the creek don't rise. That man is going to be playing in Madrid wearing all white, and he's going to yeah. look really good in it too. Um, he's going to look fantastic yeah, in that kit. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about Byron. How is Kingsley Coman's health? Uh, there are a lot of troubles with uh, Byron players' health. We thought that Davies was going to be out for a while after a knock he picked up for Canada against the U.S. men's national team. Apparently that's just small. Um, Luca Hernandez, Upamakano, uh, <laughs> Tomas Muller, right? Like there are a lot of, there are a lot of, things that Byron has to deal with in terms of the injury gods. We've had a very love-hate relationship with the injury gods over the last couple of seasons. Um, with Coman, his injury hurts, but it doesn't hurt the club nearly as bad as I would say it would a year ago, right? Because what we've seen over the last four to five weeks is a resurgent and a redeveloped Jamal Musiala from somebody who basically was a sub at center attacking midfield for Bayern when they wanted a switch of pace, when they wanted uh, Tomas to get a rest right now, you could argue he's the best winger on Bayern Munich right now. You could make a very strong argument that Jamal Musiala is a better winger right now than Leroy Sané, Kingsley Coman, or Serge Gnabry. Uh, I think that, Coleman being hurt hurts, but I don't think it's detrimental to the success of the club. Okay, that's fair. Um, so how happy are you with, and I, I hope I'm, okay, you say his name, Julian Nagelsmann. Is it, is it Julian? Julian, Julian Nagelsmann. Julian Nagelsmann, okay. So yep. how happy are you with him so far? Uh... I actually just wrapped up an episode of our weekend warm-up. We were talking about Hansi Flick and how we thought his results went for the German national team in his first two games. They, they beat Poland 4-0, right? No, they didn't play Poland. Uh, they played uh, Armenia, 
and Liechtenstein. Those were their okay. two World Cup qualifying games. They played Iceland yesterday. Okay. Uh, they beat Iceland. Um, I'm a very cautious fan. I'm a very cautious observer. I am a fan of the German national team. I love the German national team. I'm always somebody that doesn't love throwing eggs in a basket. And I think that the team will need time in order to fully adjust under Hansi Flick. And I think the same can be said for Julian Nagelsmann. He had a very rough preseason. And then he turned that around to a draw with Borussia Mönchengladbach and then two wins against Köln and then Hertha Berlin. So it's good. It's not terrible. It's fantastic so far, I would say. For, for a coach, two wins and a draw at a big club like Bayern in your first season coaching them, it's got to be great, right? I'm not disappointed in Nagelsmann right now, but I'm very cautiously optimistic is what I would say. Okay, that's fair. Um, what's been your biggest surprise so far this year? That nothing has really changed. And I want to give context to that, right? Bayern Munich lost two major stalwarts on their back line this summer. They lost David Alaba to go ahead and replace Sergio Ramos at Real Madrid. And they lost Jerome Boateng, even though Boateng was not getting a lot of playing time, he was still getting good enough playing time. Uh, they let him go on a free and it basically took until the final day of the transfer window for him to sign with uh, Olymp Olympique Lyon. Uh, and I'm happy for both of them now that they have places that they can play their game and not be in fear that they're not going to get starting time or anything like that. But losing two club icons like that, right? Boateng has been arguably the most visible defender at Bayern Munich ever since he joined from Manchester City. And David Alaba was an academy graduate. He didn't spend his entire time at the, the academy of Bayern Munich, but he was an academy graduate. He's basically known his entire professional club career. Not basically, he had. He, he knew his entire club career from that point as only Bayern Munich before he left. You don't lose two club icons like that in the same transfer window and not have there be a major shift in how you operate on the back line, let alone anywhere else on the pitch. And what we've seen so far, Bayern have just been better than they were defensively last year. They let in a criminal amount of goals last season. For Bayern standards, they let in a terribly bad amount of goals but this time around and it could be less of a concern of people not getting playing time or it can be an entirely new system under Nagelsmann whatever it is it remains to be seen because you can't really judge that off of three games uh, but they've held well they've held really well defensively and I'm impressed by that I'm impressed that a back line that had so much depth last season that people were leaving, now doesn't have that depth. It's basically now Dio Upimecano, Niklas Sula, uh, Tangi Nianzu Kwasi, who is a, a youth academy player we've got two years ago from Paris Saint-Germain, and then any other people we have in the academy because we loaned out Chris Richards to, uh, to Hoffenheim again. And so the team is still really strong, right? And keeping that in mind on the back line, right? Benjamin Pavard is injured. Our right back starting the last three games is an academy kid named Josef Stancic, and he's been fantastic. 
for the team so far. Alfonso Davies basically alternated time with Luca Hernandez on left back and Hernandez kind of switched in a couple of times at center back, right? The team has performed really well defensively and I'm almost shocked by it. And I'm impressed by that, I would say, most of all. The attacking was always there. The midfield dominance was always there. The only shaky part of Bayern last year was their back line. And now, with all those other important important pieces gone, it seems to have cleared the air enough, right? You don't hear rumors about Nick Sula leaving anymore, which is huge. So I'm glad that it's happened. And it seems like they've gotten better. It really does seem like they've gotten better. Do you see them trying to bolster the back line in the January transfer window just ahead of the later stages of the Champions League? Bayern have really never been buyers in the January transfer window, and I don't think they'll start this transfer window. If they do, it'll be like a reserve. It will be like a a backup piece. But so far, I haven't heard anything, and nothing really comes to mind as term, in terms of a player that they could go out to get. Gotcha. So... Is the midfield still the the best strong point of Byron? Would you say? I would say so. Yeah. When even when Muller isn't healthy, we just went out and got uh, Marcel Zabitzer, who's always wanted to play for Byron. I I will add right because there's always the accusations that Byron goes ahead and takes everything out of the Bundesliga. I'll give a pause for a second for everybody that listens to this and automatically reflexively said they do. Uh, but you just have to keep in mind the kinds of players that they bought in, right? I wouldn't say that it was poaching because Bayern didn't really like go out and get every single best player off of Leipzig. They don't even go out and get every single best player off of Dortmund. Even years ago when they, when they were rumored to go and get Marco Reis and they had the money to do so, they didn't do it. This time around, what did they get? They got a really good defender. Right. And it's not Bayern that completely depleted their back line. Let's keep in mind that Ibrahim Konate went off to Liverpool, right? Losing both of them in one transfer window sucks for any team. But Upamakana wanted to come to Bayern. He was young, he was French, so he fit in with a lot of other players on the team. So that one worked, right? You have Julian Nagelsmann, who came in. He's Bavarian by birth. His favorite club growing up was Bayern Munich. You so don't have a, to defend yourself. It's a joy, it's fine, it's a it's joy for him. And then Sabitzer is Austrian. He's born and raised a Bayern Munich fan as well. So even, even with Thomas injured, right, it's still Joshua Kimmich and Leon Goetzka at the back line in that double pivot. It still works wonders. It's still fantastic. And I love seeing it work every single weekend. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. 
Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, yeah, it's great for you guys. Um, all right, let's <laughs> let, let's talk about the match. Um, so last time I asked you the same question, uh, and the only answer was Lionel Messi. So uh, he has left, if you hadn't heard, and um, we kind of have we have this guy named Memphis Depay that we're putting all our eggs in his basket. So, yeah. what scares you about Barcelona? Nothing. <laughs> if I'm if I I want to be really fair, right? I'm. I am not somebody who confidently brags about teams because I grew up in a part of the country where when you do that and it comes back to bite you in the ass, then you get railed for it and you're sorely disappointed. Uh, and so I, I really want to be honest. There really isn't much about this team that concerns me. I wouldn't even say it's to pie. I would say it's on Sufati if anything, because he's young and Byron hasn't really played him a lot, right? Memphis Depay, we beat him in the semifinals of the Champions League before we went off and won it. It's, it's, it's somebody that we're used to, right? Jokingly, I was about to say I was most afraid of Antoine Griezmann, but I, I'm, I'm, after seeing the turnover, and it's not even, it's not even messy, right? It's the fact that you also then went ahead and sold Griezmann. Having that much turnover up front concerns any team, especially a team that needs to cut wages. So I I don't know what this attack will look like. I know Depay is quick on the counter, but Bayern have improved a lot in terms of their response to counters from this year to last year. So I'm not going to say it's the midfield. If there's anybody in the midfield, it's Frankie de Jong, but you still have uh, Sergio Busquets. And I'm not sure if you bought out Arturo Vidal's contract yet. Uh, yes. You did? Okay. So. Um, even then, I still wouldn't be that terrified. Uh, and then the back line, as long as Samuel Titi is still within the team, I'm not necessarily that concerned with uh with how the team sets up i think mark andre terstegen might pose a number of problems in that but then again a lot of the players on this Bayern team play with him in the national team yeah vidal's been on inter for a couple of years but like i don't know if they still are paying him anything or not from mm-hmm. from before um okay yeah so yeah that's kind of what i expected let's talk predictions so I'm not going to go ahead and say 8-2 because, you know, that's, that's yeah. a little crazy. I'm not even going to say 8-2. So I, I, I do think that there isn't going to be a level of, like, I don't see Byron feeling the need to score eight goals, I guess mm-hmm. I would say. I, I think they would take their foot off the gas a little bit, if, if anything. Um, but, yeah, I don't see any reason why Byron don't win this three or four to nil or one, honestly. Yeah. I was going to say the same thing and I was going to support it with facts, right? For all you F1 fans uh, out there, gentlemen, a quick flashback to the past. Bayern Munich's last loss in the opening, in the first game of the group stage. I want you to guess what year it is and I will give you a hint in terms of the team that they played. Are you ready? The team they played was Deportivo La Coruña. 2008. No, the last time Bayern lost 
in a group stage opening game was the 2002-03 season. Okay. And then I will I will also say this. Since then, they have not failed to win. Note that, right? It's not they haven't lost. It's they have not failed to win. There was one season, the 2007-08 season, that Bayern didn't play in the Champions League. But since that Deportivo game, right, here are Bayern's opening weekend results. In the 0304 season, a 2-1 win over Celtic. The next season, 1-0 over Maccabi Tel Aviv. Next season, 1-0 over Club Bruges. Next season, 4-0 over Spartak Moscow. Next season they played in the competition was the 08-09 season. They beat Stoya Bucharest 1-0. Season after that, they beat Maccabi Haifa 3-0. After that, Roma 2-0. After that, Villarreal 2-0. After that, Valencia 2-1. After that, Seska Moscow, 3-0. After that, Man City, 1-0. After that, Olympiacos, 3-0. After that, Rostov, 5-0. After that, Anderlecht, 3-0. After that, Benfica, 2-0. After that, Red Star Belgrade, 3-0. After that, Atletico Madrid, 4-0. Over 17 opening games since their last loss, they have an opening day aggregate of 42-2. So to be fair... The only, there's only two clubs out of that entire list that are actually like decent, and that was City and Atleti. And I, sure. I, I, I was gonna go ahead and say Barca are amongst those teams, but they're, they're probably more amongst the uh, the club Bruges right now. Uh, right I would team, say Valencia. So. I would say the 2012-13 Valencia team was a yeah. pretty quality team, but even to that point, I agree. Those are pretty cupcakey games and for the most part with the but a lot of teams of, get caught out in those cupcakey games exactly exactly and a lot of those games were away right like an away day at uh red star or rostov or olympiacos is not really something that you should play around with nope. right and regardless byron won again aggregate 42 to 2 on their opening day so i'll comfortably say right at minimum three nothing for byron because we're still coming off of a lot of injuries. We're still coming off of a lot of club transition. Robert Lewandowski is still there. Leroy Sané has been on his best form in a Bayern uniform. Jamal Musiala, same thing. Kimmich and Goretzka are still there. They still have Manuel Neuer between the sticks. I, I think I'm. I really don't think I'm being braggadocious in saying I think Bayern can comfortably win this game three or four nil. All right, last question. So three mm -hmm. months from now, actually literally three months from yesterday, Barcelona mm -hmm. will play Bayern in match day six of the group stage. We're going to have you on it yet again to probably brag about your team. Sure. And how, I guess, paint me a picture of what that group will look like or how Bayern's season will look in three months. Remind me of the other two teams in the group. I just forget. Uh, Benfica, and I think we missed out on the fourth B team. It is, yeah, it's Dynamo Kiev. So there's not much challenge there. <laughs> I think Dynamo Kiev are going to finish second over Barcelona. Oh, you're so, come on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll be I'll I invite be you honest. on the podcast. You come on here. I'll be honest. I, I think I, I think Benfica actually stands a good chance of coming in second because they do weird shit in the group stage where just somehow they come out and finish second and qualify for the next round. Right. And I'll say this, right? As somebody who very loosely follows Barcelona and roots for Barcelona 
in in Spain because I hate Real Madrid with every ounce of my being, right? As long as Ronald Koeman is in charge with everything I've heard about him over the last couple of weeks from players like Marilyn Pjanic, I don't know what to expect from this Barcelona team, but I don't know if it's anything good. And that's me being really honest and hoping that this club does well because I like this team. Yeah, I so, just don't know what to expect with him. So let, let me just paint a picture for Barca fans real quick before we sign off. So at the end of this month, Barcelona start off a five-game stretch that could be pretty detrimental. So they play Benfica in match day two, September 29th. Um, right after that, four days later, they have Atletico Madrid, then they have Valencia after a break. Then they come back with Dynamo Kiev, and then they have the Clasico all within a week. Um, Jesus. So there's 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 some games with a little bit of pressure there. And if Barcelona do the wrong thing and look ahead to the Atleti match and blow it against Benfica, you're looking at a scenario where your first two Champions League matches are against Bayern, which everyone in the world is assuming is a loss, and then Benfica, which if you don't take seriously, like you said, Benfica is not a horrible team. Yeah, um, yeah it, it could be a very interesting. It's going to be very interesting next sixty days for Ronald mm-hmm. Koeman in Barcelona, and uh, no one knows what to expect. So, Jake, um, going to put all your links in the podcast show notes and all that stuff. You do great work at Bavarian Football Works. Y'all site is one of the one of the best run um, at the uh, at SB Nation. So, thank you for joining us as always. Thank you for having me.